You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the 750. I am your OR Joe Choa. He is your 75 two-time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, the one, the only, the debonair, Tony Casillas. TC, what up? You know, it's uh, I'm doing well. Uh, glad to be here on, uh, on this Tuesday. Uh, man, last weekend was remarkable PGA Championship. Oh, my gosh. Um, still kind of living off that um, with everything else that's going on in sports right now with some uh, some uncertainty, and we'll get to that. But all in all, it's been a great week, you know. Here on Tuesday, I'm I'm trying to channel my way through a little little pain because, as as uh, as you know, and some of our listeners, if they listen to our podcast, I had knee replacement surgery about uh, a little like over six two months, months ago. ago. Yeah, about three months ago, and you know, I, I you know how you're just going really, really good, you know, RJ, and everything's going. Oh man, this is awesome. I think I hit that proverbial wall this mm. week, so or last week. So I'm. Uh, I'm dealing with it, but other than that, it's always great to be with you here on the 750, brother. Well, you've um you've been fairly active, it seems. I mean, you've been pelotoning, you've been jogging, <laughs> you've been you know doing your walks and things like that. So I mean, yeah. you know, you've you know you've earned a day to kind of take a breath and a, a little bit of a moment. So uh, hopefully uh, you get rested up. I want to bring something up in a second, but you mentioned the PGA Championship. Have you ever hit a drive like Colin Morikawa did on 16 on Sunday? um which drive was that i'm trying that to was, that was the par four the short par four that he he put to seven feet and uh, no i i uh, probably if it ricocheted off a tree uh, <laughs> and i was really lucky but uh yeah you mentioned that hole too and, and that's what i love about that tournament is that it's risk and reward i mean that's it was very difficult and at 23 years old has won the pga championship uh so he's in good company and he's one of the youngest guys along with um uh, with, uh, with Tiger Woods, uh, the most notable one. But no, I have never, I've tried to, I've driven some greens, but no, not that accurate and have a seven foot putt for Eagle. Yeah. And I, I think that's fun. I think we really like watching guys that can drive, you know, knock the hell of the ball and actually execute. And I, I do got to say, and I tweeted this out and I put, uh, put it on Instagram, whenever JT had that moment uh, with the, uh, Oh, you know, er, earlier on Sunday. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, uh, that was that was earlier that I think that was earlier in the round. But I, I thought that was good audio, along with watching guys hit bombs on sixteen. Sure, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, PGA champion in his own right, missed a putt and um, and was not pleased. You got to be effing kidding me! And I think we all have been there as our amateur. Oh, I know for you sure. play golf, but. Uh, Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you don't use obscenities like I do. Maybe I'm no. just a bad influence. But we've all been there to hear it, the way they caught it like that. And that's uh, that's not his first offense. I think JT has been Mike before. 
and he kind of forgets about that. But I guess he, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. He's super anti. Yeah. You know, he he doesn't want to be mic'd up. I think for those reasons, he knows what he sounds like when he's out there. Um, on a different sports note, Tony, we're talking on Tuesday. It is August eleventh. Today is the twelve-year anniversary of something. Do you know what? Off the top of your head, twelve years ago, so August eleventh, two thousand and eight. Oh gosh, I mean, I it's been a kind of a tough morning. Um, I've been on the internet, but I have not. I mean, it's something I'll probably know about if once you mention. So I'm gonna say no. I do not know right now. Well, I'm going to say that it. Um, it is the greatest Olympic moment, at least in my lifetime. I don't know if you agree. Scott Lezak closing on the final leg of the relay, United States against France. Michael Phelps's eight gold medals on the line. They had to have it. I will never in my life forget. I watched that. We were visiting my grandparents, and I watched that in my grandmother's bedroom. I ran to watch it by myself. That was unbelievable. What's the, what's, is it that the greatest Olympic moment in your life? Yeah, I, I, now that you mention that, because I think we just get all lost because of pandemic. And this summer, we're supposed to have the you know the yeah. Summer Olympics, if I'm correct. Uh, I mean, 2020 has just been a really sucky year. So you kind of <laughs> lose a, you know side of what, what's actually supposed to be going on. But I think, I think the most dramatic, yeah, when you look at the swimming and Michael Phelps and that whole, you know, him run, trying yeah. to win 500 gold medals. Yeah, that was pretty remarkable. That was, you know, and I don't think anybody gets it engaged in swimming like we do during the oh, Olympics, yeah. especially it, when it's Michael Phelps and just the, so. Yeah, I, I think that was a really, really uh, amazing moment in Olympic summer Olympic sports. Is watching that. There's one month twelve uh, years ago. God, that's oh, dude, that's what I'm saying. That see, like by too I, fast. I I, w- I didn't experience the miracle on ice, um, you know, live. So that's why I can't put that one in my uh. My well, program. I did, and that that is a, an amazing moment in time. I mean, regardless of how old you are, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it just transcends. But that was amazing how that happened. But, sure, and that yeah. that the story of that dramatic. is is unique. Yeah. As far as U.S. Um, Olympic history, I'd put the Miracle on Ice. I'd put Scott Lezak up there and Carrie Strug and the Magnificent Seven in Atlanta in 1996, the women's gymnastics. That I think those are up there. Um, I mean, you could go Dream Team if you want. You know what I mean? But that was like there's some – the Dream Team just demolished everybody. It was fun, but it, it wasn't like this, you know, comeback or anything, which makes the other stories a little bit more riveting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that you was that was ninety six. Was that the is that when she's that was when she had the the I don't know if it was ankle. dislocated, but yeah, and she yeah. she had the bad ankle and she went and still stuck the landing and uh and, and the won. magnificent seven one. Yeah, it was her. Uh, was it Dominique Dawes? Uh-huh. And um, I think that was after Mary Lou Retton. Um, yeah, Mary Lou Retton was in eighty eighty four, I think. I yeah. think maybe that whereabouts, but yeah, I think that. Uh, and, you know, I think so. You know, with the Olympics, summer Olympics especially, you don't you don't really think about those sports until they come around. I mean, unless you're very enthusiast, enthusiast as right. far as following those type of events. But you know, that's the thing you miss about it because they're just moments that you just can't you can't duplicate because it's so raw and natural, and they're working all their lives to try to you know be you know come to that moment and to really actually where it's so dramatic. It's pretty cool. Agreed. So. um Tony, uh, again, we're talking on Tuesday. Uh, 
and I want to be very clear, we're talking a little bit after 9 a.m. Central Time because this story uh, is seemingly changing. Well, basically everything in our lives is changing every hour. Uh, but there are some people, Tony, that believe that college football will be canceled, suspended, postponed, whatever word you want to put on it today, on Tuesday. There are some people that believe that it could happen. Um, there are some people be- believe it could happen only to the Big Ten, only to the Pac-12, um, that the SEC is going to drag football you know, through this uh, because that's the SEC way. Um, but so, again, if, if you're listening later, it's very possible that something changed or that nothing changed. Um, but that is the... The kind of, the expectation is a weird way to put it, but that's what a lot of reports seem to indicate. Um, obviously, you're incredibly bummed. You are literally one of the greatest college football players to ever live. Um, what what is what does that do to you? Well, I, I think there's a when I first thought about it, and they had this emergency meeting. I believe that was on Sunday, and then uh, Sunday night, and then I heard the rumors. And everyone has opinion. Everyone has a source. Everyone has their you know, their take on it. You know, right. my take is all, I, I thought about uh, athletes being deprived. I thought about the reason why they're doing this is because it comes down to them losing money. Um, and the five powers, you look at all the five conferences, uh, the five uh, you know, food groups that make the decision for everyone else. And really the players do not have a voice. And, you know, here's the thing, RJ, and we really don't, we can't, we can't speculate because we don't, that's the, that's our ammo. No one can speculate anything, but you know what? You can anticipate this, right? You've been having all these thorough testing kids have been back on campus. They're in a bubble. They're doing everything that they need to do. And these aren't professional athletes. Let let me, let me, let me step back and, and rephrase that. They, the, the NCAA views them as a professional entity, but when it comes down to when the athletes, you know, them they're saying, amateurs. Yeah, they're amateurs, but they're capitalized and monetizing off them. And for them not to have a, a say so in this, because, you know, I think as an athlete, you you know, there's so much on the line. I mean, the all fall sports would be would be, you know, their their plan or whatever would be to move it to the spring, which is totally, you know, to me is is, is uh, I don't think the, the reality of that being able to happen, you know, happen and guys still playing, you cannot do that. I mean, that's my take on it. But just the fact that not having, you know, you, you couldn't have made this decision two weeks ago or a month ago, knowing that this would happen, but coming down to the fact to think, okay, well, maybe we move it in the spring. Maybe we, we, you know, if we lose $40 million by night selling, you know, having fans to watch the game, maybe we can recoup that in the spring, which I think is totally just unorganized. There's no leadership. And as I mentioned, you know, you're deprived of your senior year. You're deprived of being able to do all the work of playing college football. And the most important thing to me is if you're a high-rated uh, uh, college athlete that's getting drafted in the National Football League, you know, it kind of puts you between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. But those guys that really need this year to really, you know, extend their talent to the National Football League where they can, you know, rate their, their play – they're not going to have that year. And the, the, I think the most important thing, I think it's a long-winded answer, is that they'll never be able to recapture this year, those guys, and regardless of what they're – and you got five commissioners, athletic directors, oh. people making those decisions for people that have no say-so whatsoever. It is um... – I mean, you you know this. I mean, you've you've been through it um, at the highest possible level. 
there are you, you said there's a lack of leadership. It's amazing that there could be this level of unorganization from a leadership standpoint, given how many people have titles, right? Like how every university has a president and an AD and obviously their coaches are involved and every, you know, conference has, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there are probably like 500 people that are technically points of leadership here and they have all collectively failed. Um, You're you're right that, look, I think we would all agree that none of us thought we would be here back in March when Rudy Gobert tested positive. I think we weren't even thinking about August or September or whatever. Um, and that's a whole different issue. And I know that that inspires a lot of debate among a lot of people. Um, but it does feel like they, you know, like, you know, you know, like in college, do you ever get like, hey, Tony, you know, it's um, it's it's the first day of the semester. And on the last day of the semester, you're going to have this big paper due so you can work on it however much you want between now and then. Uh, but it's going to be due the final day of the semester. And you just waited. The, the also, you know what I mean? And the night yeah. before it was. That's what right. they that's what they did here. They waited. Yeah. yeah. Not that I ever did that when I was in college. <laughs> But, you know, that's six months. And no, I saw. Um, so I went to Texas A&M, um, who, by the way, beat Oklahoma in Johnny Manziel's 2012 season. No big deal. Greatest season of our lives. That's all we have at A&M. Yeah, but Tony. I think the last time Oklahoma played at A&M, I think the score was like 70 to nothing in the first half. Anyway, Tony, again, <laughs> look, at A&M, all we but have. But I did. I did watch the Longhorn Network. I, I shouldn't. You know, I, I dropped my. Sooner man car, but I'm watching. I don't know if you watch the. Te- uh, the I don't. They watch showed it. the. A- they showed the A. I think it was the A and M and the, the Texas game. I think it was 19. Was it 90s? I'm trying to think of what year it was. Dat Wynn was still playing, and I believe Ricky Williams was still playing. But anyway, um, Dat Wynn, the a- wrecking crew, baby. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's back to the regular skip uh, program. <laughs> so I, I saw um, a photo. Some some A and M student, current student, took a photo. Um, of, of I guess this like poster that was outside of a classroom and it looked kind of like um you know when you uh, when you go to the movies or when we used to go to the movies and you would you pick your seats you know what I'm saying like you know how it has that little um, graph or whatever and you choose the seats you want it kind of right. looked like that um, but it was it was color coded there were like three different colors and it, it sh- so like the colors denoted on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays certain seats were open. And on Tuesdays, and that was in certain times. So, like on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, the classes at eight ten can only sit in certain seats. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the classes at you know ten twenty can only sit in certain seats. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the classes at eight fifty can only sit in certain seats. You know what I'm saying? So, like you've got to do this like incredible matrix search just to go to class. And even even something. This is a very 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 small example. Even something that minute took a conversation, right? Like two people had to sit down and say, well, we can do this. We can come up with this chart, et cetera. And it feels like the NCAA didn't do any of that until the last possible second. And now they're trying to figure out all of this. And I feel so badly for the players. And they have a a point. I mean, it's – I mean, you can can argue that college football has been – Football is the face of college sports, obviously, uh, has been kind of leading to this path where, you know, at a certain point, you know, the NCAA was going to be forced to face the idea of paying players to some degree. The pandemic has kind of accelerated that conversation in a dramatic way because 
the true reason why they can't force them to play is because they don't pay them. I mean, it's it's an irony on top of ironies, um, but this is a an organization in the NCAA that is just kind of fine. They, they would almost rather swallow this year's loss than admit that they're not amateurs. You know what I mean? Well, I think this is very imperative that the that the players take a stand and what the coaches, whoever it may be, against the NCAA hold them accountable. I mean, this is, could be a really mo- monumental movement for the players, considering if they say, "Look, we want to play. We've done everything, the protocol that you asked us to do. Test three hundred times during you know when we ba- went back on campus to start getting acclimated and get inside the bubble." I think this is imperative. They make a stand and tell the NCAA, look, and, and the NCAA, I think, are really aware of this because all I think the power can shift because mm-hmm. I think if you, you you stay together and the possibility of having an association and, and really just having someone you know speak on their behalf. Right. I think this is very important that they hold their ground. And the NCAA looks really stupid now because all of a sudden, you know, all these guys are having, you know, they're having all these meetings, emergency meetings, because they're getting this, you know, this this feedback. They're getting this pushback from the players. And so it really makes them look really, as you mentioned, unorganized, but not really have any idea or any organization on making a decision. So I think it's important the, the players take a stand and just hold the ground. Doesn't it feel like the cancellation of the NCAA tournament was five years ago? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it, it does. It's just nuts. I mean, it, it really, really. I mean, I will be bummed if if there's just conference only schedules. And I mean that you know, I'm not saying I don't want that, but you know, we're already dealing. But I do understand, RJ. The the I guess they're and, and they should have addressed this a month ago. The oh. uncertainty of, of you know if and, and we and, and we talked about this a month ago about how we felt about percentage if there was was or weren't going to be a season. You know, why don't they why don't they do their due diligence? Why don't they make a decision? you know, 30 days ago, or even kind of some type of, you know, let the players know, look, you know, we, there may be a possibility we don't play. And, you know, where they don't get to this point. And really, it's it, it's perplexing to think that they really, really would come to this time and make a decision to whether they're going to play or not. The moment that Rudy Gobert tested positive, every professional, semi-professional, amateur level if you want to be technical with the ncaa sports organization should have sat down and said okay we have no idea what the next however long is going to look like what is if if we are in the worst case scenario what is our plan and it feels like the ncaa didn't do a great job of that and i know people suggest bubbles and look at the nba and the nhl and things like that that's just impossible i mean it's impossible with the number right. of people associated with a, with one college football team um let alone an entire conference let alone all of division one football or not even just division one but um but it well, is i lost my train of thought about my i was going to bring up the point that i you know i did a i did a, a call-in show yesterday did a segment with the ou network and James L does a tremendous job. He's been on there forever. And, you know, we started talking about, you know, the uncertainty whether they're going to play or not. Well, at Oklahoma, they've had two of their players injured prior to, you know, them starting practice and everything. And so Lincoln Riley's big concern is like, we're supposed to scrimmage this weekend. Mm-hmm. Why would I put my my players at jeopardy, go out there and scrimmage? No one 
that there may not be a football season. No, totally. So all of a sudden there's so much, you know, there's this uncertainty and decision-making, you know, whether or not, and it affects people, you know, how to plan their, their schedule and how to plan the, the move ahead in the season. Um, I, I just, I was trying to explain to, um, to my mom, you know, cause she was, she was, she's like, RJ, what's, what's going on, you know, sports explain, you know? And I just, you know, I, th- I think this is the best example. Um, I mean, there are a million examples, but one of them is if, if you are at all wondering how a lack of a college football season can impact somebody, how many people do you know, Tony, that knew who Joe Burrow was a year ago? I mean, no, outside no. of outside of your deep LSU fans, you yeah, know, and, you know the people that are that know his story. No, not a right. whole lot. And, and so, I mean, that, you know, last season, obviously, he had literally one of the greatest college football seasons of all time. And, you know, his his life is significantly different because of the season he had. And, you know, you think about the, the stories and the lives that will forever be altered if there's no college football season. I mean, it's it's just it's devastating. Um my last thing before we move on, Tony, we did play percentages. And again, it's now 926 a.m. Central Time at this exact moment for anyone listening on Tuesday, August 11th. What is your percentage optimism that college football happens? Because I'm at well, like 1%. Well, I'm going to go with the notion that the players are going to make a stand and they're going to get pressure. Uh, you know, the five conferences, power conferences, the athletic NCAA to play the season. So I I was at eighty percent a month ago, and 80% I was still that it wasn't going to happen. Play, that it wasn't going to happen. Okay, I, I just didn't think. But then I you know I pushed forward because you know you never you, you just don't know. Sure, it's like moving parts. Now I think I'm a little bit more sixty forty that they will play. Oh, so you're or they more... won't play. I'm sorry, forty percent that they will play. So you're, uh, so you're just based on that. I think that these idiots, and I shouldn't say idiots. <laughs> that's not. I mean, just. Uh, you know, it's amazing that you have people that are educated that have been doing this forever and they make decisions like this. And look, I understand I, to a certain point because when when guys, when when the mass of people, my kids are going to college. My daughter went to Arkansas last weekend, moved into an apartment. My son taking him this weekend to go to OU. And I understand when all these kids get back on campus, there's probably going to be some people test positive for COVID-19. So if they would have took that approach – Maybe three weeks ago, RJ, these athletic directors in the NCAA, they think that when the masses come back on campus, because when you're 18 and 19 years old, you're not going to, you're subjected to taking online courses, right? Because they're not going to have, my son has four online courses and one discussion group with 10 kids. And so when they go back to campus, they're not going to stay in the room. You think no. they're not going to party? So I understand that there's a plethora of things that are going to happen. But yeah, I, I I feel, believe it or not, I feel better about there there being a season that being forty percent and it, it that it not happening that being sixty percent. Interesting. Um, of the Power Five conferences, which one is your least favorite? Big Ten. <laughs> really? Just just this week? Or? No, no, no. Um, I you know what? I I really not going to cast stones. It, it's a tough decision. I just think you know I think I'm more upset with the governing body, the NCAA, sure. whoever makes a decision. I mean, I it's a tough decision, and I understand. But if they just come out and say, look, we don't want to lose $40 million because we can't mm-hmm. put people in the in the stands. I mean, I, I think that people, they're very transparent now. Don't you think the NCAA is very transparent more than they've <laughs> ever been because of the, what 
what they stand for. They stand for dollar signs. I mean, so and much not fairness to the to the amateur athlete. It it feels Come like on. so much of our world is more transparent now than they were six months ago. Um, yeah. But um, I, I mean, I don't know. I um, it's it's I'm not confident personally, but um, I hope you're right, right. So what is your what is your what is your feeling? What is your percentage of them having a season? I I'm at one percent confidence. One percent, but and because to me, what this sounds like, um, I applaud the players for. I hesitate to use the word unionizing, but unionizing in the sense at the very least that they've corralled each other and, and are working towards this as one. That's the best way. There's there's power in collective bargaining, and they are doing that the right way. They, they've got the right influence in that regard. I well, just, it puts the coaches in a tough position because the coaches are getting information, and I guess they're getting information or you know, well, players can read social media. But there's not really any information to give them which direction they're going. Well, and it's hard for the coaches. It's hard for the coaches too because if if the coaches don't support the idea of you You're know right. unionizing or whatever, um, not not to dismiss that idea, but then you know, I mean, ev everything as you know in college football boils down to one thing, and it's recruiting. That's the, I mean, everything you know, all the flowcharts come back to recruiting. And if a college football head coach, pick whoever you want doesn't support that then all mm -hmm. of a sudden whenever football does come back right. whether it's in 2020 2021 they are hurting their future chances they'll so, remember that yeah. a lot of people and there's not amnesia when that happens so it's a kind of a slippery slope and it's it's like a it's like a coach in the national football league you know they got to support the owner and right just like there's not a whole lot of head coaches will like step up and refute and disagree with the athletic director and the university uh, because they're the ones the writing their checks. Well, so for, I just think I, I think that as grand of an effort as the players are making, and I think that they're going above and beyond. I think the NCAA has decided, and, and by NCAA I mean the powers that be. They've decided that it is financially in their best interest for this season to not happen. That sucks. That's really selfish. That's very greedy. Uh, you can put it a number of ways. But I, I think that they have decided that. And, you know. But see, wouldn't you have more respect if they just come out and say it? I would. I totally would. I mean, I, I, I understand it. Just don't let us spec. We, we know. No. They, we and, know the players. We understand that. But be, be you know, you know, be accountable. Be, you know, be the bigger body in this whole decision making and admit that because you're not doing a very good job. All you're doing is tainting your really bad reputation right now is the inability to make decisions. I agree with you, but I think I think that they, you know, the, the powers that be, I think they look at their um, their arbitrary possessions, right? They look at, man, my reputation that's tainted. So yeah, that's that's hurt, right? That's hindered. Okay, and they look at their pile of cash and they they're saying. Well, this might be tainted, but it's just as valuable as it was before. And I think that, you know, like I said, everything in college football boils down to recruiting. On the upper level, everything boils down to how much money can it make. And I think that they have decided it, it is. I mean, we're, we're talking how much money does college football generate a year, like $4 billion? I, I really believe that they would rather sw swallow that on one year because they believe the loss would be greater if they acknowledge that these are semi-professional athletes and therefore had to pay them over the course of the rest of time, which is a really, really, really unfortunate thing. But the perhaps more unfortunate thing is they can act this way, Tony, 
and next fall, you and I will be glued to the TVs watching AM and Oklahoma play because oh, we love college football. We'll forget about this, but one thing right before we move on, uh, because it is blogging the boys and we got some cowboy content, but I mean, we have to address this. But, uh, you know, if you have if you have kids that go back to college and, you know, at AM, your experience is going to college and going to the, you know, going to College Station and watching Kyle Field. Totally. Right? Totally. They're watching the games. And so now, not only do you deprive the the student athletes, the athletes, but how about the, the, the you know, my son and my daughter, they're going back to, that aren't going to be able to experience that because of this decision making. And not even the fact that they may not be able to go to the game. They might, you know, they were offered season tickets, but the fact that they're not going to be able to experience that. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. I mean, there's a lot of jobs. It's a lot of people it affects the whole experience. And yeah. to, you know, have this group of people all of a sudden make a decision because, you know, they were apprehensive and they couldn't decide a month ago um, is really, really sad. <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, so many economies. Like I said, I went to Texas A&M. College Station is a really, really, really small town that lives off of the university. I've never been to Norman, but I understand it's not necessarily a metropolis. Uh, well, yeah, not, but it's a college. It's a college right. making town. Man. Not, yeah, not every not every school is USC. That's oh, in yeah. LA. You know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think about and this is the last thing I'll say. There's a great video that uh, the Mississippi State Athletic Department put out when Dak Prescott got drafted by the Cowboys. And it's this video of all these uh, Mississippi State fans thanking mm-hmm. him and saying, you know, how much he meant to them, et cetera. And it's it's that impact, right? Like those are the people. It's that community of, in this case, Starkville or whatever that is going to be impacted by this. And I don't know, man. Um it, it won't, but the NFL will absolutely play on Saturdays uh, this fall. So, um, and you know, I was listening to a different. They may podcast. play on Friday. They may play on Wednesday. Yeah. They may play. No, they it, may take advantage of people. Of, of people, no will, people will think you're joking or semi-joking. That's the truth. Like the NFL will. I mean, they'll look at this and the the. I don't say scary thing, but the NFL will look at what they do on Saturdays if they play on Saturdays regularly this fall. And they won't next year say, "Oh, college football's back." Oh, yeah, we're we're not going to play on Saturdays anymore. That they are. This is. There's a lot to figure out here. Um. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. On the subject, not really of college football, Tony, um, but um, when you picked your least favorite conference, I thought you might say the ACC, um, just because of Michael Irvin and and the Hurricanes. <laughs> but um, Michael Irvin, your boy, uh, was on NFL Network. He's back. 
uh, back uh, doing the old analyst thing. He was on there on Monday. And he was asked about one of the other greatest Sooners of all time, because you're one yourself, in CeeDee Lamb. And obviously, a lot of people are excited that CeeDee Lamb is now a member of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, Michael Irvin compared him. Uh, well, let's let's just let's play the clip what Michael Irvin had to say about CeeDee Lamb joining the Cowboys. But let me just say this, because it would not be uh, supercilious of me to make this statement. With what the Dallas Cowboys did... In the, 19, in the 2020 NFL Draft by adding C.D. Lamb to the number one offense in the National Football League, uh, uh, what, what Will McClay did, what, what Jerry Jones, those guys, Mike McCarthy did by adding this guy, C.D. Lamb, is akin, almost tantamount, almost tantamount to Kevin Durant being added to a 73-win Warriors team. Coach, stop asking in my ear what I said. I said supercilious. That means it wouldn't be arrogant (laughs) or out of hand for me to say it. That's what that means. I'm giving it to you. I hear you in my ear gate asking other people. I don't mind educating the people. This is why I am back. I'm going to educate you, and that is not being arrogant to say Adding him is like Kevin Durant being added to that Warriors team, especially offensively. They were already great offensively, and they got one of the best players and one of the best young talents at wide receiver in the National Football League. It is crazy what the Dallas Cowboys have an opportunity to do. And this is the last thing I will put on this. I know if I'm in that locker room, I love that that Amari Cooper said everybody gets 1,000 yards. Hey, listen, I ain't mature that fast. I did not mature that fast. You could have never got me to say that. I was going to tell you those guys can have what I leave on the table. That's the crumb that they would eat. But I love that Amari Cooper went right out there. All of them can go and get 1,000 yards, and this new NFL and this offense will take off. That defense will have to step up and show up for the Cowboys, and I believe they can. Okay, so Michael Irvin thinks that C.D. Lamb joining the Cowboys is like Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors. That was four years ago that that happened, Tony. Um, Your first thoughts. (laughs) Wow, I think that I I love Michael, and he's animated, and he'll give us something to talk about. But I think that's coming from two different perspectives on my my point. Um, First of all, you know, Kevin Durant is one of the the, – best players in the NBA that's ever played the game. Yeah, and CD Lamb, no disrespect to CD Lamb, but he's no, and, and, uh, no, and I'm not. I'm no respect. I, I would take you know, you know, uh, you know, tended, but uh, I mean, CD Lamb is a, is he's got a lot of upside. He's a lot of potential, and then I think everyone is 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 hoping that that you know comes to fruition. And you know, it's he's an unproven commodity right now in the National Football League. And and look, the guy's going to be amazing. So I don't understand. I mean, the, you look at Kevin Durant and what he's such a great scorer of all time, right? And you take him already in that in that climate where they have Clay Thompson, they have you know Steph Curry. I mean, they have you know uh, Draymond, you know, have yeah, Draymond Green. I mean, it has so much depth in that in that in that franchise. You add KD, who can score all over the place at will. He doesn't have anybody. I mean, there's not enough people to cover him. So I think his Theory, Michael's theory is thinking, okay, well, they have Amar Cooper, they have Michael Gallup, they have now CeeDee Lamb. Who's going to cover CeeDee Lamb? Sure. And 
you know, if, if Amari Cooper's right and he says that each of those wide receivers is going to have a thousand yards, I mean, hell, I mean, I may buy into that. I may, you know, buy that, you know, I'm, I'm, I may buy that stock today, but right now, I mean, to, for him to, to say that he's going to mean that much of this offense in a system that's a, it's a new system, Mike McCarthy system. I, I, I couldn't totally, I, I couldn't disagree with him more. <laughs> well, it, it sounds silly because the Warriors that Kevin Durant joined had just literally won more games in the regular season than any NBA team ever had. Granted, they lost, you know, they blew a 3-1 lead, everybody knows, to the, to the Cavs in the finals. Um, but, you know, so you're talking about, to your point, you're adding, you know, what was at the time and what will probably still be when KD comes back, one of the greatest players in the NBA, one of the greatest scorers to literally one of the greatest offenses that has ever lived, you know? And so I do, I kind of get where, where Mike is coming from, right? Like I, I get it, right? Like you're, you're talking about adding more offense to more offense. It's just, I think you lose people when you bring up, you know, cause again, the fact is the Cowboys missed the playoffs last year. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's a well, weird yeah, way to it, put it. Right, and and you know to the point about how great the Golden State Warriors. I mean, the fact that you add KD, it's it wasn't fair because <laughs> there was not enough bodies to to cover right. their scores. I mean, they had so many four bonafide scores, and now you have an offense that again, it's a new offense, and you know adding that, and, and also, and I think Michael should know this more than anything. The NFL is not like the NBA. I mean, there is guys that will jack. I mean, you. You know, a guy can take 15, you know, you can take 20, 30 shots. You know, the guy that has a hot hand is going to make, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to knock the three-pointers down. And I just think it's very hard to allocate because if you're talking about putting up numbers like KD is, I mean, you got to have at least 10 or 11 touches, right, right, per game. And there's not enough catches around to go between Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and someone like C.D. Lamb. And for Michael Irvin to think that he could be – First of all, he wouldn't be able to coexist in a, in a system where he only got to touch the ball so, less so, less than KD. So, uh, okay. So that, to me, I call I call uh, you know bull on that. So I mean, there's no way that would happen. My favorite part of the Irvin clip that, that you know that we played is he talks about how he he says. I did not mature as fast as Amari Cooper did. <laughs> he says he he said that his mentality was. You know, to I mean, Alvin Harper, whoever, you can have the crumbs that I leave on the table. <laughs> you know, we're not all going for a thousand yards. But gr- granted, you know, this was a different era in the NFL. Um, I, I I brought this up last week, Tony, when when this comment was made um, by Amari to to have every one of them hit a thousand yards. It's it's more than just how talented they are. It depends on the games, you know. What I'm saying? Like the 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 right things have to happen for for that. They have to be in every game. You know what I mean? Like if they're blowing people out or whatever. I mean, if you know, if, if they're barely winning games or you know, you get what I'm saying. Like you can't just plan on having three thousand yard receivers because certain things have to work out that you can't control. If that makes sense. Right. I think it'd be a little tongue in cheek because I mean, everyone says, "Oh yeah, we're all three of us going to have a thousand yards rushing," or excuse me, receiving. But then you got to throw the rushing in with Zeke and, you know, the type of offense. And and I think that's the the, the, the really 
exciting thing about seeing this new offense under Mike McCarthy because you know we saw you know, he likes to run the football. I mean, you saw when he had a good running back, uh, you know, his, he liked to have some balance in when he was in Green Bay. So they're going to throw run the ball, but I mean, this 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 makes great conversation. Oh, and it does. Yeah, the fact that you know Michael, I mean, was and I say this in a I don't know in a in a friendly way. I mean, he was he was the most uh, selfish player. I mean, that doesn't sound right. It's kind of hard to. That's fa- that's fair a, though. Like that that's a good I mean, quality in, in a good way. He was a very selfish guy because he wanted the ball, and so now, you know, maybe he sees the you know the the transition and the change in the offenses, but still to be able to get to get the ball that many times. I mean, you're gonna have to put up some be- some big numbers. I mean, you know, Dak had almost over five thousand yards throwing last year, correct? Mm-hmm. He was very close to five thousand, yeah. So if you throw in three receivers with a thousand yards and you say, okay, well, maybe, you know, Zeke's gonna have fifteen hundred yards rushing, I mean, those would be some monster, monster numbers for this offense. And to the point we just said, hopefully they're winning games and not having to come from behind yeah. during this whole pandemic season. No, it's like it's kind of like um like, you know how sometimes w- when you're looking at a house, um, it might be a certain square footage and, and you want that, right? Like the square, you know, it, it's, man, that's a really great square footage, but some rooms are bigger than others. You're like, well, I don't need yeah. this room to be that big. You know, I would rather this square footage be over here, whatever. That's what I'm saying. Like if Dak throws for, I don't know, 4,200 yards next season, whatever, it's hard to say. A thousand are going to go to CD. A thousand are going to go. You know what I mean? Like it just it doesn't work out that way necessarily. Um, I I do want to say you mentioned Irvin being. You know I know you're you know selfish is a is a heavy word. People take that the wrong way. But one of the greatest plays that happened in y'all's era of Cowboys was because he was selfish. And he's told that story a million times. The '92 NFC Championship game, he took Alvin Harper's spot on 896F flat. And sure enough, that ball goes to Alvin Harper. And that all happened because he wanted the ball. And so that's a cool he story. Was, he, he was pissed off always on the sidelines, but they were able to, you know, deal with his emotion. But, you know, he wanted the damn balls. And, and so, that, you know, to the point, yeah, I mean, he – and also, they don't – they only had one other receiver that mm-hmm. was really – that complimented, you know, Michael, and that was Alvin Harper. You know, Kevin Williams, I mean, there was only, you know, uh, you know there was – uh, situational guys, but you know, you're talking about three receivers that are really could be number one: Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of input he has. My last thing, Tony. Um, I mentioned this on a different show on our feed, but uh, do you know the? Well, I'll tell you this: the Cowboys have recently had three pass catchers go over 900 yards. So each of them had over 900, but not quite a thousand. Um, can you guess when that was? It was it was recently, somewhat recently. Is it is it not? 20, you know, was it twenty sixteen? It was a little bit before then. I'll give you one more. Oh, okay, 20, 2014. 2012. Can okay. can you guess the three pass catchers? Oh gosh, that all had at least nine hundred yards receiving. Des Bryant. That's one of the three. Uh, Jason Wedden. That's one, another three. You're missing one. Uh. Terrence Williams? No, that was the year uh, bef- okay, before okay. they drafted him. Gosh, it was um, man. If you don't get it, and I tell you, you're gonna you're gonna be subset with yourself. Um, when Miles Austin retired, it was Miles Austin. 
<laughs> Damn. That was a long time ago. Dude. Eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens. So we'll see, Tony, if when we talk next week, if college football exists. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go to Mass right now and do some Hail Marys. Uh, yeah. I mean, call Roger Staubach and get everybody together. And <laughs> um, and, and then when afterwards, set up a game between Oklahoma and the Navy, and, you know, we'll be, I'll get there. tweet that out. That'd be great. It would. Um, for some Hail Marys and have that have that play. Um, well, we'll see what happens. We'll this we're gonna get some some practices this week for the Cowboys, so we'll have some stuff to dive into next week. Um, Does it really seem like the the season's a month away? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, I mean there hasn't there hasn't been really any football played. It's all just been this process. But I, God, it's just, I'm also I I I love you know. NFL media and I love the coverage of the NFL and so, yeah. so something that is is also like preventing me from totally feeling that way is not seeing all the reporters at camp you know like in the the NFL network or ESPN polos you know what I mean like that's, yeah, that's to me it doesn't seem like it's really because we don't have that coverage right so we're kind of a little desensitized by everything but well nevertheless let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, you know, was the first uh, Kansas City and the Houston Texans will be the first game. So that is 30 days from today. Scheduled yep. scheduled to be played 30 days from today. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, everybody have a good week. Uh, we um, will. Uh, I'm straight, RJ, too. We'll get into uh, to some more stuff next Tuesday. Um, we love you all. As always, this was Stay the safe. 's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this: high-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.